Welcome to the Community Hope Podcast. We exist to share hope with more people in more places. For more information on this podcast or our church, please visit communityhope.org. Now stay tuned for our Sermon of the Week. Thanks, man. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, like Pastor Brad said, my name's Cayman DeYoung. Uh, I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. I'm currently a senior at Montezuma Community Schools. Um, I plan on graduating and going to North Central University to become a pastor, hopefully one day, so that's pretty cool. Um, and so the way that I found myself on stage today was, you know, I felt kind of like God had just been putting it on me to give a sermon at the church, and I've preached at other places before. This is like the big test. I mean, like, it's my home church. I've been coming here, you know, I didn't even come to this church first. I went to the breakfast club in elementary school. And then over the years, I started attending youth group and Royal Rangers. And just growing up through the church has been a great experience for me because this is a great place to call home, am I right? And over that time, I've been blessed to know uh, Pastor Tyler Sanchez. Uh, He was the old youth pastor. He just taught me so much, and he put this spark inside of me to preach. And then even the men that he pastored, uh, such as Steve Kopp, and all these lists of names just come to mind. And you know, I got to know Pastor Ryan as he came And Pastor Todd was just a great example of what it looks like to be a godly man in my life. And then I got to know Pastor Brad. And they've just been all pouring, you know, these skills into me and instilling into me how to be a man of God. And it's just been a great experience for me. So uh, as we get started, uh, the sermon came to me. God put it on my heart to preach. I went to Pastor Brad. He said, oh, yeah, I'd love for you to preach. We got in a couple months, youth takeover Sunday. So just bring a sermon to me. We'll work on it. He taught me so much stuff in that time. So thank you. And I started thinking, you know, what should I write this sermon over? And I just thought about it for a few days, and um, I'm going to be straightforward with you today. I'm going to be talking about sin today uh, and the impact it has on our lives. So my sermon split into two parts. The first part, uh, we're going to be talking about the problem of sin. Hopefully we can uh, make ourselves more aware of this. Um, In part two, I want to make sure that you guys, wherever you're at in your walk with Christ, can know the best way to get out of any problems you may have and judge where you're at in that walk at your current moment, okay? So I was just in my basement one day, you know, lifting. This is after I'd met Pastor Brad, and I was just thinking about what the sermon was going to be over. Some of you guys are already like, there's no way this is true because you were lifting at the time. And hey, God's working on me spiritually and physically, okay? (laughs) You don't have to laugh at my bad jokes. It's okay. So I was just lifting into my basement, and then I just had my Bible app on my phone turned on so that it reads to you um, while you're doing whatever. And I came across this verse, so if you'd like to open your Bibles to 1 John 3, 4 through 8. Um, If you don't have your Bibles, that's perfectly okay. We have them up on the screen today. And I remember I was just lifting, and this kind of hit me, you know, right between the eyes, and it was just a really, like, scary moment for me. You know, the Bible is split into parts, so there's some verses that are like, oh, I love this verse, and other parts where it's like, I'm not sure that I really want to read that right now. So if you'd like to begin reading with me, verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared, Jesus, so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who keeps living in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Verse 7, Dear little children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. This is some freaky stuff, okay? 
We can all agree on that, right? And I think it's just important that we all sit in this for a moment and think about that. I mean, like, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. The biggest one, verse 8, no one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's, some, that's a bold statement. You're saying that if I keep sinning, I'm of the devil? That's a big statement to make. And this verse, keep in mind who wrote this verse. One of the 12 disciples, John, he wrote this book. He wrote it all out. He walked with Jesus for most of his life. He probably has some very important and insightful things to say about it, so we have to trust this. And some of you may be sitting there, and it's like, wow, Cayman, you're saying that if I keep sinning after I know Jesus, I'm of the devil? And I'm not saying that at all. But the Bible does. Amen? So we need to understand that if we understand that the Bible is the inspired word of God, we need to take this seriously. And some of you might be sitting here saying, well, Cayman, I grew up in, you know, kids' church, and they said if I just prayed this prayer, or I came to this gathering, and someone said if I just gave my life to Jesus, or someone said if I just read this book once a month that I could get in. But what does John say? Verse 7, dear little children, do not let anyone lead you astray. As John writes this book, he keeps writing dear little children every time he's about ready to say something important. He was writing it to a church who was dealing with false prophets at the time, coming and saying these things that weren't right. So, some of you in here may also be in that other group where it's like, well, Cayman, you know, I get where you're coming from, but I'm not really that bad, you know? If I could be in this spot, I'd be in a 50-50 area. You know, I'm not terrible, but I'm not great. You know, I don't party on the weekends, and I come to church on Sunday. You know, I read my Bible once a month, and I only do a little bit of this. And we think that if we find this point, we're walking this 50-50 line, that we're good enough. That somehow that covers it all up. But I want to tell you, if you have your Bibles, Galatians 5.17. I'm a Pinterest guy. I'll admit it. Yeah. You, do you ever get on Pinterest? Like, guys, it's okay. You can raise your hand if you're on Pinterest, you know? Well, I get on sometimes, and I go there for, like, creativity when it comes to woodworking and stuff, and sometimes these dorky little quotes pop up, and I just read them, and you're like, oh, I see where you're coming from, but I'm not really sure I could agree with that, you know? So we have some of those uh, quotes up on the screen. The first one is, don't think too much. Just do what makes you happy. That popped up on my screen, and I was like, okay, I see where you're coming from with that but I'm not really sure I could agree with it. And I think this is because our culture, it's pushing itself in this direction where we don't really want to be righteous, but we don't want to be too sinful either. And if I could just find this point where I could call myself a Christian but not have to walk it out, everything's going to be okay. And I think it's so dangerous when we get to that point because if we were to take that verse, don't think too much, just do what makes you happy, that's terrible. Give that verse to a psychopath and see what happens. I mean, like, it wouldn't be very good. And red flags should be popping up that we can't do whatever we want. Let's go to Galatians 5.17, like I said before. It says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in constant conflict with each other, so that, keep this in mind, you are not to do whatever you want. So often in life, we get to that 50-50 area where it says, if I could just stay on this line, if I could do this, but I still go to a church on a Sunday, if I smoke pot, but you know, I read my Bible once a month, maybe it's okay, but we have to come to understand that you are in constant conflict with either the spirit or the flesh, and it's your choice in life what we're going to choose to obey. 
you are not to do whatever you want. And so often I feel like there's even people, you know, in my high school or just celebrities that step up and say, I'm just doing my own thing. You know, they come to this nihilistic viewpoint that there's no morals of good or bad. That we just get to this point in life where forget religion and forget sin. I want to do what I want. I'm going to live for myself. I'm not living for the devil. I just want to go out and do my thing. I just want to ask you, what does it look like to serve the devil? If we go back to 1 John, what did it say? The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. What does it mean to be of the devil? Let's go to Genesis. What did the devil say to Eve to get her to commit the first sin? He didn't say, hey, come worship me. Come, you know, just sing songs to me, build a church to me. He said, no, you know what? That apple looks pretty good. Why don't you eat that? That looks like it would be great. I mean, like, it's not that bad. God said no, but I mean, do what you want. And so often we fall into this trap where Satan is always going to lie to you in these ways. They are in constant conflict with each other, so you're not to do whatever you want. Moving on to the second picture on the screen. You know, you are the artist of your life. Don't give the paintbrush to anyone else. I thought of Bob Ross, you know, happy trees. You know, <laughs> you are the artist of your life. You don't have to give that paintbrush to anyone else. When I thought about that, I was like, yeah, that's cool. And there's nothing wrong with this. If you want to go and you want to work in this business or you want to, you know, support this charity, sure. But if we were really going to be the artists of our lives and not give the paintbrush to anyone else, that's probably be pretty bad. I mean, when they wrote this, they were probably thinking, okay, don't let any negativity pour into your life. Don't listen to that person who's just going to tear you down. But if we do that, we have to reject the people who are speaking, you know, life into us. Yeah. And if we want to listen to the Holy Spirit, we have to understand we got to hit him the paintbrush. Amen? So moving on, we're going to talk about sin for a second. Sin's been a big topic today. Um, what is sin? Like, if you had to label sin... This is sin. What would it be? We can probably think of a lot of examples of what sin is. You know, the devil's been sinning from the beginning, you know. If I lust after a woman, that's probably sinning. If I do this or that, that's sin. But what does it mean to truly sin? Let's go back to this idea of Genesis. We see God made the heavens and the earth. He made this perfect world an oasis. He called it Garden, the Garden of Eden. It said that there were no thorns that sprung out from the ground. There were banana trees and apple trees. You know how easy it would make for me to hang a deer stand out there? I'm like, whew. Just ask dad how well that went last time. I was in the ranger and he was screaming, so. <laughs> you know, that'd be great. And we see that God gave Adam and Eve one commandment. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They could do anything they wanted. How crazy is that? You have one commandment. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, okay? How many of you think you could do that fairly easily? If the world was an oasis, it'd be pretty nice. But why did God tell them not to eat from the tree? You know, we always kind of skip over that and we say, okay, why, why wouldn't you want to eat from the tree? It says that when Eve came and the devil tempted her into eating that apple and she took the first bite, it says that her eyes were open and she was filled with shame. I think when it says that her eyes were open, that's a big, big part. Because at the time it said that Adam and Eve, their spirits were one with God. They had not committed sin, so there was no barrier, there was no separation between Christ and his creation. But it says when she took of the apple, her eyes were open, and she began to see both sides of the picture. At the one time before she ate the apple, she only saw the righteousness, the goodness of God. She was not yet aware of the separation that would come from the sin. Because how many of you know it's basic logic? If something is good, there has to be something that balances out, which is not good. 
If there's something that is righteous, there has to be a balancer in place. This is basic logic, philosophic principles for you. There has to be something that's unrighteous, not good enough. So when she ate from that, we as humans now can understand that there's a good and bad in this life. And we now have this conscious choice to do what God says or to not. So when she took of that apple, I would label sin as being the direct rebellion of God. Going against the word of God, what he says to do. After that, we see that all of the uh, Pharisees at the time, they made 613 laws. They said, keep these commandments and you'll draw, draw close to God. Jesus came to this earth. He said, no, keep this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself and you will fulfill the whole law. It's all about, are we going to listen to the voice of God and what he says? and Are we going to follow it? So moving on, you may be saying, okay, Cayman, I get it. There's sin, we're fallen, we have to make this choice. I can't walk in the 50-50. But why is it after I've found Jesus that I just want to sin so much? If you look at 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he also provides a way out so that you can endure it. You as humans, we have a fallen nature, but that sin, that's always going to stick with us. Whether we have Jesus or not, we're always going to struggle with this idea of sin. Look at Romans 6.6 6 with me. Paul was the writer of 6.6. 6. He, uh, before he became one of the largest well-known Christians of all time, writing most of the New Testament, did you know he actually killed Christians? Like the Pharisees and said, okay, you're going to go put these Christians in jail. You can kill them. You can do whatever you want. Just get rid of this Jesus guy. We don't want that anymore. So I'm pretty sure Paul has a pretty good reference point when it comes to how he dealt with sin in his life. Amen? All right. Verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Remember that. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is some stuff that I heard, you know, in uh, Sunday school. You know, this is the stuff that makes you feel good, you know. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. This idea, it's walking through the picture of what Jesus came to do. He died to sin once and for all, so it no longer has a mastery over us, and now we are to live the same ways. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ Jesus. Verse 12, let's move on. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Please look at verse 14 because this is so important. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. I want to give you the hope today that yeah, you may be a Christian that temptation is going to be there and you're going to fall. There's never been a Christian who's found Christ and never dealt with something in their life. But if you look at verse 14, but you are under grace, so that sin that you're dealing with was forgiven. But we need to understand that there's a difference between walking in sin and walking with Christ and screwing up. 
we're going to walk to my analogy here. I about ran out of them when Chris was eating them this morning. So, <laughs> you know, I think that we just need to understand what it looks like and what God views us as when we start sinning. So let's just imagine that I'm you for a second. And now let's just take a moment. Let's imagine that these beautiful looking Skittles are whatever sin you deal with in life, okay? It could be anything, anything at all. All right, you all got it in your head what the sin's supposed to be? All right, so we start off, you know, a lot of you, you came to your first church service, you know, you started reading the Bible for some reason, you find yourself a Christian now. And there's stuff in your life, and you might have read that very verse that we were supposed to die to sin. Okay, God, I'm going to start living for you. There's some stuff. You're just always eating Skittles before you knew Jesus, you know. I love Skittles. I have a sweet tooth. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts convicting you of righteousness, as Pastor Brad started talking about a few weeks ago. And, you know, you start thinking, okay, God, that's probably not the best thing for me. I'm going to move away from these Skittles. So we come over here and we try to isolate ourselves from that sin. You know, you're praying, you're reading your Bible. All right, God, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm a new person. It says that I've been made alive through Christ, but you just see those Skittles. And I'm all the way over here, but man, those still look pretty good. You know, well, I guess a yellow one wouldn't be too bad. And then you eat the yellow one and the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, what are you doing, man? Those probably aren't the best thing for you right now. And then you realize the consequences of your actions, and you say, God, I'm sorry, just forgive me. I pray that you just forgive me of that sin, help me to be a new creation. You go off, and you're free from that sin again. But a week goes by, days go by, and you say, well, wow, that yellow Skittle, that was really good. <laughs> Maybe just a couple of red Skittles, and then, you know, I won't have to eat the yellow ones anymore. Eat a few red Skittles, and then the Holy Spirit's like, hey, man, you probably shouldn't be eating those. Those are not good for you. They'll kill you. And we just keep eating the Skittles, and eventually we find ourselves so wrapped up in it, and that voice of the Holy Spirit is so diminished in our life, and all we can focus on is the junk. Does that sound like anybody? I'll, I'll admit it. That's me so often. Or, you know, finishing my Skittles. <laughs> There's some of us in here who we say, okay, did God really say that I couldn't eat those Skittles? And the devil's got you so wrapped up around his little finger. Did God really say I shouldn't eat that? I mean, if two orange Skittles want to love each other, who am I to tell them that they can't? You know, I'll just, you know, fine, I'm going to eat it. And we eat the orange Skittles and we're back into the step one, where we just can't seem to get our idea wrapped around this. And the devil has just warped us so much that all we can focus on is the sin. And then there might be a third group of you in here, you know, your new creation in Christ, you've got stuff in your life, you admit it, but then start looking at other people and say, wow, she just busted out the sour Skittles, man. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm eating regular Skittles. That person is so much worse than I am. She ate three of them. Oh my, well, that, if she had three, I can obviously have one. And we're just sitting there eating them, and the Holy Spirit's like, hey, just because they're doing it doesn't mean that I want you to do it. And the Bible's very strict about this. People are supposed to run the race he set before them. Some sins that are very, you know, that gray area spot are okay for others, but not for you. I have a different calling for your life. I want you to do this. So we just keep eating 
and eating. And eventually, that voice of the Holy Spirit that convicts us of righteousness. When I wrote this sermon and I heard that, I went into my room and I prayed and I felt that I could physically feel the separation that I had with the Spirit. It wasn't gone, but I could tell that I'd neglected that time with that I'd spent with Him. And I'd neglected every hour of every second that I'd woken up and prayed to Him in the mornings. And I just cried out. I was like, God, I'm sorry. But that still leaves us with the problem. What do we do when the sin in our lives looks so good that all we can do is eat it instead of listening to the voice of God? You know, we might try to isolate ourselves. You know, we say, okay, if I just walk far enough away from it, if I just try to flee from it, it's over there, I'm over here, I'm okay. But how many of you know you can't escape your sin nature? Something's going to fill it. Like this snicker bar? Oh, man. I haven't had a snicker bar in so long. Nope, nope, nope. I'm getting away from that sin. I'm not going to eat this, but maybe if I just smell it, you know. Oh, I love me some peanut butter. And then next thing you know, we're back in it. So what do we do when this junk in our life that we know is going to kill us, that probably isn't the best thing for us, that the Holy Spirit's telling us is wrong, it just looks so good. Because all of us can relate to this at one way or another. We prayed that prayer over and over again. God, deliver me from this. And the next thing you know, we're found wrapped up in our same problem. I can tell you firsthand, though, that when I'm filled with something good, this junk in my life doesn't look very good, though. When I'm actively full of something else already, when I'm starting a diet and I eat as much as I can that's good for me, and I look at these Skittles, I think... I want nothing to do with that. You're just going to give me a stomachache. When I read my Bible in the mornings for 5, 30, an hour, however long I've got, that stuff doesn't look nearly as good to me as it did before I started praying that morning. Or man, when I spend time in the Word of God and just praying in the Spirit for 10 minutes, man, I want nothing to do with that stuff. I love bananas, man. I want nothing to do with this. Why would I fill myself up when I'm already filled? That's just going to give me a stomachache. I stay full so much longer when I eat something healthy. In the same way, we have this race set before us. You know, Ash and Diane, if you want to come up and start, Ash is going to be singing for us. I just started praying. That was my prayer, God, that the sin in my life that I find so good so often that I wouldn't see it as sin at all, but I'd see it for what it really is. Stop looking at it like it's this beautiful thing that God just said no to and start understanding that God said no to it for a reason. And if you start reading the Bible and understanding why God said no to some of the things he did, you'll see that the people that do that, the Bible has very strong things to say about them. Their feet are quick to shed blood. All they know is turmoil and anger and lust. I don't want anything to do with that stuff. I just want to keep walking, running the race set before me. You know, I want to give you one last bit of hope today. John 15, 5, if you have your Bibles. This is Jesus talking. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. I want to give you hope that you cannot change the sin in your life. You cannot fix your marriage. You can't get out of this addiction. Pornography is always going to have a rule on you unless you go back to John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is the vine. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Look at this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So often, I look at the sin in my own life and I say, wow, if only I just did this or that, or maybe if my own willpower could force me to get away from this, I can get out of it. But do you know how stupid that is? That's like me saying I'm trapped in quicksand and I bring out my little pink, you know, dollar general shovel or whatever and I start digging myself out. No, I need a crane to pick me up out of this. When I am in Jesus and he is in me, when I spend that time searching for the Holy Spirit and when I'm reading my Bible, that's powerful. That's life-changing. And so often, the church in America, it's pushing this idea that, man, if you could only just focus on the grace and the good stuff, you don't have to give this or that up. You just keep walking with Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. But we have to understand that the sin in our life isn't something we can flirt with and still act like we can love Jesus at the same time. Because Jesus, the same man who said we have grace, says, if you don't keep my command, do you really love me? So that's the hope I want to give you with. The stuff that you're dealing with right now, if you all just stand with me as we enter into this time of worship. There's just some stuff that I know we all deal with it and we try to hide it and throw it in the black co- back closet and you know throw away the key because we don't want anybody else to see it. I just think we need to focus on this fact that the same God who said he gave us grace also said, if you want to live with me, you have to die with me. And the same God who said that our sins were forgiven said that we had to pick up our cross daily because it's like and it's a Christian walk. It's not going to be easy. Nobody ever promised you that following Jesus was going to be easy. If they hung our king to a cross, that doesn't mean they're going to love us. We have to walk this out and it's not going to be easy. So that's just been my prayer that God, you just convict us over this sermon. You'd show us the stuff in our hearts and show us that we can never fix it. That we can, you know, do everything in our power. We can have as much willpower as we want, but we're never going to be able to overcome this stuff. But man, when I'm on my knees praying, when I'm reading the word of God, that's when stuff changes. And I picked this song that we're going to sing today because when I'm in his presence, this is the one song I want. It says, I'm not here for blessings. God, I just want to sit at your feet because the more I know you, the better I am. So we're just going to go into this moment of worship and prayer. And I just want you where am I at right now? What skittles can I just not seem to get over in my life? What stuff am I living with that the Holy Spirit, I've just pushed his voice out so much that I can barely hear it anymore. When he's really saying, that stuff's going to kill you, man. So with all your eyes closed, you know, if this is just something that you're dealing with right now, you just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Everybody's got their eyes closed. Just start praying. Just start searching searching for him. You know, God, here I am. I've screwed up. I don't want to live with this anymore. God, I want to have the good stuff in life because the sin, it looks good for a moment. But man, all it leaves me with is problems. And it said that when I died with you, I was brought back to life. I'm a new person. And you didn't design me to be stuck in these chains of darkness. But Jesus, you want what's best for me. So we're just going to start singing, and I just want you to focus on that, okay?
not just sing another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry And I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you Take me back to where we started. 
If you were impacted by this sermon or if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Community Hope on Facebook and Instagram or at our website, communityhope.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next week.